0: This week, I want to talk to you about the idea of a seven-year itch. Seven-year itch. What does that phrase mean, and is the concept real? Is your relationship or marriage really doomed after seven years? Will it start into some sort of decline? We'll dive in after this quick word from our sponsor.
1: Hey guys ashley here are you having trouble meeting the right girl are you struggling due to lack of confidence not knowing what to say or not having a plan are you tired of being told to act confident around women without being told how if so i'd like to introduce you to the gentleman's guide to flirting book from david sharp if you are afraid to approach women in public this book is for you if you aren't having success meeting women on dating websites or apps this book is for you If you're having trouble connecting with women on dates, this book is for you. The Gentleman's Guide to Flirting has loads of modern, field-tested, and ready-to-use examples to help you confidently approach women and meet great women either in person or online. It also has practical, real-world advice to help you truly get the most out of the dating process. And it has thoughtful, practical advice for cultivating and sustaining your relationships for the long term. It's got it all, and you're going to love it. The book's website is Gentleman's Guide to That's Gentleman's Guide to You can go to Gentleman's Guide to and click the Buy Now button, or just search for Gentleman's Guide to Flirting by David Sharp on Amazon.com or anywhere else you buy your favorite books or ebooks, and start changing your life now.
0: Hello there. Welcome to episode sixty three of the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting podcast. I am David, the author of the book of the same name, Gentleman's Guide to Flirting, available on Amazon.com, and everywhere else you find your favorite books or ebooks worldwide. So, what is a seven-year itch? The seven-year itch is a popular belief or concept that happiness in a marriage or long-term relationship declines after around seven years. In other words, your sense of satisfaction may decline after around seven years, give or take, for example, feelings of, you know, I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of sex with her. Maybe you're tired of the whole family situation. Maybe you want to be single again or fantasizing about that. What is it exactly? Before I answer this, let's look at where this phrase comes from to see if that helps. Let's see if there's any science behind this concept at all. So where did this phrase seven-year itch come from? The phrase was used in the title of a play from 1952 named the seven-year itch by George Axelrod. A-X-E-L-R-O-D is the spelling. As I understand it, the phrase seven-year itch gained popularity a little bit later following a 1955 film named the same thing starring Marilyn Monroe. Interestingly, the lead male actor from that play back in 1952 starred in the 1955 movie alongside the star Marilyn Monroe. In that play from 1952, the background was a guy in New York City, the husband character. Well, he's been married for seven years, and he starts fantasizing about his past and his possible future, After a lady that is called quote-unquote the girl moves into his apartment block there in New York. Now, who among us hasn't had their mind wander off when they see some heavenly beauty, some angel uh, come around? So the story has the ring of familiarity, right? Despite its age. The lady who played the woman who moved in, the quote-unquote girl, her name is Vanessa Brown. Well, she reportedly had an IQ of 165, which is 40 points higher than the genius level. And in more modern ways of describing that or looking at that, that's a score possessed by around only around 1 in 10,000 people, and that's referred to as being exceptionally gifted in more contemporary ways of describing the various score ranges. So she was no dumb beauty. Anyways... The modern usage and popularity of the concept, or the phrase, of a seven-year itch came about because of that 1955 movie named The Seven-Year Itch, starring Marilyn Monroe. In the film, very similar to the play it was adapted from, a man's family goes off on vacation. He sends them off for a couple months over the summer while he remains at home to work. And similarly, he begins to fantasize about women that he previously had feelings for or, or he knew from the past. When his new neighbor, Marilyn Monroe, well, she moves in and he decides to try and seduce her. Uh, while well, things go badly for him in the movie, it doesn't work out. And he ends up worried his wife will find out what he was thinking and what he was doing to him and what he was up to while she was away with the family. Anyway, while I was researching this episode, looking at the kind of like the background behind the term the seven year itch i came across an, a novel from 1913 named the eighth year the eighth year that book has a subtitle of quote a vital problem of married life the author's name is philip gibbs g i b b s and he attributes the concept of the like eight year problem that the eighth year uh, issue to a british judge named sir francis june j-e-u-n-e i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right j-e-u-n-e anyway that book the eighth year from 1913 it's available for free online so you can check it out yourself it's it's out of copyright protection you don't have to pay anything but it opens with and you can confirm this for yourself it opens with quote the eighth year is the most dangerous year in the adventure of marriage the eighth year is the most dangerous year in the adventure of marriage and there the author attributes the quote like i said to sir francis june later called afterwards lord saint he- he- heller president of the divorce court this was back in the light, like late 1800s or something like that the book the book's opening continues quote Afterwards, in the recent Royal Commission on Divorce, this curious fact was again alluded to in the evidence and has been shown by statistics of domestic tragedy, by hundreds of sordid little dramas, that at this period in the partnership of husbands and wives there comes, in many cases, a great crisis leading often to moral disaster. It is in the eighth year or thereabouts that there is a tug of war between two temperaments, mated by the law, but not mated, perhaps in ideals and ambitions or in qualities of character. The man and woman pull against each other, tugging at each other's heartstrings. The eighth year is the fatal year. When if there is no give and take, no working compromise, no new pledges of loyalty and comradeship, the foundations of the home are shattered, and the hopes with which it was first built lie in ruins like a house of cards knocked down by a gust of wind, Then the book, this 1913 book, goes on to try to explain why the author talks about happiness early on and then how the situation might evolve, or I should say devolve, um, broken down by time. For example, years three and four are this, th- this way, years five and six, this stuff kind of stuff happens. Now, I don't recommend reading all that, but it is a short read the whole book, and it's free online, like I said, if you're curious. I think only the first few pages are interesting, but to each his own. Okay, so that's interesting, but is there any science behind all of this? Quoting Wikipedia, Quote, the idea of a seven-year itch puts a specific time on the generally observed phenomenon that data sets of married people show a rising, then a falling, risk of divorce over time. A rising to, I guess, around seven years, give or take, then a falling once you get past that mountaintop over time. The quote continues... In samples taken from the United States National Center for Health Statistics, there proves to be an average median duration of marriage across time. In 1922, the median duration of marriage that ends in divorce was 6.6 years. In 1974, the median duration was 7.5 years. In 1990, the median duration was 7.2 years. While these can fluctuate from year to year, the averages stay relatively close to the seven-year mark. Research from 2012 found that American divorce rates peaked after about 10 to 12 years. Studies from China of marriages between 1980 and 2010 found that the divorce rates peaked anywhere from five years to 10 years after marriage, with more recent marriages post-2000 being more likely to divorce after shorter periods of time. Divorce rates in Finland as of 2018 showed similar patterns, consistent with psychological notions of honeymoon and seven year itch, All right, Hmm. so the phrase seven year itch itself came out of creative fiction from the play and movie from the 1950s era. And there might be some evidence, significant evidence, I guess, across multiple countries and continents of um, it being approximately true in aggregate mar- marriage statistics. So, how should you think about it? You, how should you think about it? Are you, dear listener, doomed, doomed by the concept and the march of time in your own relationships, whether it's a long term relationship or marriage or what have you? My thinking on this is. Is this and my mind goes back to a quote from that 1913 novel that I mentioned earlier. Quote: Listen, listen to it again. A shortened version of it is: It is in the eighth year, or thereabouts, that there is a tug of war between two temperaments, mated by the law, but not mated, perhaps, in ideals, in ambitions, or in qualities of character. That's a very beautiful phrasing to describe the concept, and I think that's probably the most important sentence of that entire book from 1913. So, basically, yes, I agree the novelty factor of a new girlfriend, a new relationship, or a new wife can wear off, okay? It can. I mean we live in the real world and that can happen and it could happen especially if you ignored my advice in part one of the gentleman's guide to flirting book and you didn't do a compatibility assessment if you didn't do the compatibility assessment please go back to part one of your books and check that out if you're not familiar with what i'm talking about if you skip that you can find out you may have made a terrible mistake after you got a living with you or you're married, and it could be as short as a few hours have elapsed or a few days, or it might take months or years for you to find out, for you to figure that out. But in my experience, there is nothing special about the, the seven-year mark at all for you or for me. And the reason why we're different and the statistics I don't think apply to us is because we do thoughtfully consider what we need. And I made before we're going to promote somebody up to the level three and the life priorities from part one of the book, those, those are the people that you protect the most, your family, your children, your wife, a lady that you're in a long-term relationship with, including your closest friends. Your closest friends in some cases can be better than family. So i group them all together. Before you promote somebody up there, you got to really know her and To do that, I strongly suggest you go through that rigorous compatibility assessment process. Everything you need is right there in the book. There's even uh, files you can download from the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting.com website to go help you with that. So you don't have to go and like scribble everything down on paper. But please go through that exercise, please. It's not just an academic exercise. It could be absolutely essential to your future happiness to go and go through that thoughtful process for yourself, the reason why, again, but go back, going back to the subject of the podcast episode, the reason why I don't think the statistics about the seven-year marker, eight-year mark or five to 10 range about things get into a crisis mode that either you survive or you don't, um, is because we have a plan, we are informed, we are a cut above. We are an upgrade over the typical man out there because of our preparation and the way we conduct ourselves and the way we think and our general philosophy the standards that we live up to every day so when you are looking for a keeper and not just a temporary girlfriend a woman who is a keeper you need to listen and do that compatibility assessment work again in fact if you choose well enough when shopping around something magical happens Uh, She looks better over time, even though she is aging, because you you learn to love her more and more as the months and years go by. Now, we guys, you know, uh, this may sound terrible, the way I look at it, we get better and we're more attractive over time because maybe we have more money, you're more stable, you're more mature. I think you're more attractive over time. (laughs) Uh, So our situation is just different. However, you know, I need to be realistic with you, like I always am. I've never really seen a guy who wouldn't cheat if he thought there was a zero chance of getting caught. And m- most of my experience, like on my part, I'm just speaking for myself, was while I was in the, in the military when I was a young guy, you know, 18, 19, 20, and I left in my early, early 20s, or as when I was working as a contractor overseas after I got out the military. And I'm in back then, there was no cell phone video to worry about. And you were in a different country with young legal age women who love foreign guys. So the temptation was all, all over the place. You may have been in Thailand. You may have been in the Philippines or Amsterdam or someplace in Germany where some of the ladies are just like clearly a 10 on the classic scale or somewhere in the 21 to 30 range in the new one to 30 scale that we went over in episode 54. So you know the temptation's there you're a single guy and even the married guys are out right there the the christian guys the bible thumpers all of them they're all out, out there with us um going wild when the uh situation presented itself so when the, when the temptation was there and there was no chance of their women back home finding out but i don't know this may not apply to you it may be terrible anyway Kind of going back to the the movie and the play uh, kind of plots. I also don't know any guy today, even if you think that I and the people I knew back when in my late teens, early 20s were all just total pieces of shit who were cheap left and right. Today, I don't know any guy who wouldn't notice and admire a beautiful woman in some context if she wanders nearby or especially if she's living nearby or frankly, if she just gets within five to ten feet of him. That doesn't mean he would do anything about it but he will notice and you know what's going on inside your head and your thoughts they're not a they're not a crime there's nothing wrong with admiring beauty from afar is there i think it's 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 totally natural in fact one of my dearest friends today confessed to almost falling off the roof of his house falling off the roof of his house he's a and we had a very attractive single female neighbor Sometimes she would come out in her yard and do some gardening. And one day she was, while he was up on his roof doing some work, she was bending over gardening in her yard and he could see her thong underwear through her thin white shorts. And it was already hot and he was kind of wobbly anyway. He almost fell off the roof. He didn't, so it, it ended well. But if that's your situation, you're not alone. There's millions of us out there who are looking around and noticing beautiful, heavenly looking women around us. So don't feel bad. So... I guess to sum up there's two main points i want to make in this episode one is it's a reminder to stay focused on on what matters and i go back to the life priorities from the book levels one through three and that six level scheme levels one and two and involve you your health your happiness your wellness your goals or an education a business a career what have you if you need to make a change it isn't because some clock has ran out it's got to be because someone behavior, their conduct no longer merits being in the top three levels in your scheme. They don't deserve to be there. They're not behaving right and Interfering with your happiness and it's an unfixable problem. Like we go over the details of like how to do uh, try to how to attempt to address those kind of issues and the uh, cultivation and sustaining portion of uh, the gentleman's got a floating book in part four. So check that out. But just the, I, don't, I really don't believe just to summarize, I don't believe in this concept of a seven year itch for us, for the general public, the way many cultures work out there, where society works in many countries. Maybe it's got merit, man. It's like seven, eight years, maybe people's patience tend to wear out. The novelty is over and people are looking to move on. I mean, it happens. It's reality. It's maybe your situation, but I strongly suggest there's a lot of distilled wisdom captured, encapsulated in the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting book, despite what its title suggests. The flirting pieces are in parts two and part three of the book. All the cute turns of phrase and practical advice for meeting and connecting with women in person that's part two and online is part three is in there. And so the book lives up to its title just in parts two and parts three. But I don't think I was doing you guys service unless I gave you the entire picture because I can't just I don't I don't believe I could just tell you to act confident around women if you're not if you're not confident or have reason to be confident. And I can't also can't tell you to be yourself if parts of your personality or the way you act aren't right. In some cases, some guys aren't having success with women because parts of their past personalities need to be adjusted, tuned, or in some cases bulldozed to the ground and rebuilt from scratch. So that's that's just how it is. So that's that's my first point. My second point is a reminder of the importance of doing the compatibility assessments in part one of the book i've said this a little earlier in this podcast episode i'm going to close with this please don't just jump at that first pretty face or the first woman that agrees to get in a relationship with you if you use some of the phrasing from the book like for example if you're if you prefer to do things online or through dating apps I got some pretty powerful freaking magic in the part three, some pretty p- powerful phrasing that'll get the ladies' attention. They'll show, they'll show up for the date, but don't you get caught up in that. Don't you just jump because you got this beautiful woman in front of you and she wants to be your girlfriend or she wants to move in or something because you got a lot of stuff going on. You be patient. You be disciplined and you adhere, adhere to all the advice in part one of the book please about doing the compatibility assessment. I beg you. So basically once you've done that, you'll know what you want. You'll have standards and you'll be sticking to them. You'll prioritize your lifelong happiness like you should, like we hammer home in the book and I do in these podcasts. All right, enough preaching. That is all I have for you this week. Let's get to work out there. Let's go.